Hey there. Welcome to this bonus episode of Rethinking Wellness, the podcast critiquing wellness and diet culture from a place of compassionate skepticism. I'm Christy, and this is an audio version of my biweekly Q&A newsletter, which is also out today on Substack. My answer to the first question is available to everyone about the link between the gut microbiome and mental health. And then there's a bonus one for paid subscribers about whether it's really necessary to take supplements for gut health and mental health, especially probiotics and digestive enzymes for anxiety. To hear the second one, subscribe at rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Paid subscribers also get great perks like early access to every episode, bonus episodes with our guests, commenting privileges and subscriber-only threads where you can connect with other listeners, bonus Q&As like this one, and lots more. Just go to rethinkingwellness.substack.com to sign up. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. And if you're already a paid subscriber, thank you so much for your support. It really means the world to me and helps me keep doing what I'm doing. Before I jump into answering the questions, just a reminder that my answers here are for informational and educational purposes only and aren't a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Although I am a registered dietitian, I'm not your dietitian unless you happen to be one of my one-on-one my one -on -one clients, in which case, hi. But even then, this podcast is not a session. So with that, let's go to the first question. It's from Julia, who writes, I'm wondering whether you've written about this new body of research linking the gut microbiome to various mental health conditions. As a mental health practitioner, I keep hearing people mention it, but I also wonder if it could set people up for disordered eating as well as another reason to feel shameful about food choices. Your thoughts are greatly appreciated. Thank you. So yeah, thanks for this question, Julia, and I definitely share your concern that the increasing hype about the gut microbiome can set people up for disordered eating and shame. In many ways, this hype is understandable, right, given how many of us struggle with digestive issues and other chronic conditions, myself included. There's a lot of excitement in particular about the gut-brain axis, which is the two-way communication network between the gut and the brain, because it's seen as a potential key to unlocking new treatments for common conditions like depression, anxiety, and irritable bowel syndrome, among others. And I get it. You know, as someone with a number of those conditions myself, it's exciting to think that there might possibly be some better treatments on the horizon and some better ways of, you know, conceptualizing these disorders. So I understand why we want to believe the hype because part of me really does too. But I think for many people living in diet and wellness culture, which praise restriction and thinness and instill a fraught relationship with food, it's almost inevitable that gut health diets can create a sense of restriction and anxiety around eating. And for people who already have disordered eating or a history of it, those kinds of diets can be especially damaging. That's ironic, I think, because gut health is often positioned as a sort of psychiatric panacea these days, as you alluded to. But in my view, if trying to follow a gut health diet triggers disordered eating, it's not actually helpful for your mental health. But that said, you know, maybe some people would be willing to take that risk if the potential payoff meant addressing other mental health issues that feel more urgent. Almost every day, there are new articles and posts about how healing the gut can supposedly heal the brain. So is there any truth to those claims? And what does the science actually say? These are complicated questions, so I'm only going to scratch the surface of an answer here, and I'll likely return to this topic in the future. And I've limited my search to some of the most studied conditions. So depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder are the ones I'll focus on here. That being said, based on what I've seen of the evidence in this area, I think it's safe to say that the evidence for a link between gut health and mental health is a lot less compelling than the breathless headlines and viral TikToks make it seem. 
First of all, much of the research on the gut-brain axis comes from animal studies. And those are nothing to hang your hat on, right? Those kinds of studies need to be replicated in high-quality human trials, you know, randomized controlled trials with large groups of people before they can be used to guide any sort of clinical decision-making. The research that has been conducted in humans is largely observational, which means it can only tell us about correlation and not causation, though you wouldn't know that from most media reporting. And even reading the abstracts or the free summaries of the studies themselves can sometimes make it seem like the evidence is more robust than it really is. And you really have to dig into the research to uh, see what's actually going on. So one example is this often cited 2021 systematic review of observational studies on the gut microbiome and anxiety and depression. We'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. It reported that certain classes of microbes might be correlated with those mental health conditions. But digging into the study results reveals that those associations are actually very inconsistent. So even the most common correlations are only present in less than one third of the reviewed studies. There's a a type of bacterium called Fecalobacterium, for example, which was found to be lower among people with depression in just five out of 19 studies, so a little over 26%. And one study found that amount was actually higher, and the rest, 68% of the studies, found no association. And yet the supposed correlation was reported in the review's abstract, which gives the impression that it was much more of a sure thing. And of course, many people only read the abstract, including some journalists, you know, and are reporting on just the abstract. And so it becomes like this game of telephone where findings that aren't really robust in the research itself are actually getting um, reported as though they are. That same review also found that there were no consistent differences in microbial diversity between people with and without anxiety or depression. In the gut health world, of course, microbial diversity is typically seen as an unequivocally good thing and, you know, that it's always associated with health. And some previous studies have found that it is indeed correlated with uh, better health outcomes on some measures. And yet, as this review shows, that may not be the case for every condition. In a similar vein, a 2023 systematic review found that overall gut microbiome composition was different between people with and without bipolar disorder, but the differences weren't consistent across studies. So a few classes of bacteria appeared to have some sort of relationship with the disorder, but in some studies they were associated with an increased risk and in others with a decreased risk. This variability is really common in microbiome research, and one reason that may be is because it's incredibly difficult to collect and interpret microbiome data. Bias can enter the equation at any number of points, so in the selection and the number of study participants, because there's evidence that studies need to include at least hundreds of people in order to be accurate, confounding factors like age, sex, diet, and medication use, study length, because our our microbiomes can change rapidly from even within the same person, you know, from hour to hour, day to day, whether the microbiome is analyzed from a stool sample or a biopsy, and if it is a biopsy, where in the gut that biopsy was taken, the methods of sample storage and culturing, the methods of analysis used after the sample is stored and cultured, and more. There's just a ton of different variables that go into making or breaking this research. And so in short, research on the gut microbiome is kind of all over the place. As a recent systematic review on the gut microbiome and anorexia nervosa put it, the methodological limitations, lack of standardization, and conceptual ambiguity hinder the analysis of microbiota as a key explanatory factor for this eating disorder. 
And with a few exceptions, I think the same can probably be said for most other diseases and even for the gut microbiome field as a whole. So what about randomized controlled trials? These theoretically should be able to determine if changes to the gut microbiome have any causal connection to mental health outcomes, right? Normally, RCTs are the best kind of research, the gold standard. But unfortunately, there are still a lot of issues with these studies when it comes to gut health because there are small sample sizes, there are the previously mentioned issues with analysis methods, and there's also widespread industry funding, which can introduce a lot of bias into science. Many studies funded by probiotic manufacturers show that, surprise, surprise, probiotics seem to have benefits for mental health. But in addition to their conflicts of interest, most of these studies are also small pilot studies. For example, there's one that had 45 people. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, All of this research is linked, by the way. Um, So this one with 45 people found that taking a probiotic significantly reduced perceived stress and improved subjective sleep quality compared to a placebo. But it was conducted by employees of Nestle, which makes probiotic foods and supplements. And there was another study that had 49 people, so again, a a small pilot study, um, which found that the probiotic group experienced greater improvements in some measures of depression and anxiety than the placebo group. And it was funded in part by grants from ADM Protein. I think I'm saying that right. It's P-R-O-T-E-X-I-N, which is a UK probiotics manufacturer. Now, there's a larger study published last April without any financial support from probiotics companies, except that they provided the pills used in the trial, but they didn't provide any financial support. And that one found that probiotics had no effect on overall well-being, quality of life, emotional regulation, anxiety, mindfulness, or interoceptive awareness in a group of 135 participants who didn't have any other health conditions. The subgroup who scored higher in quote-unquote healthy behaviors did experience some improvements in anxiety, emotion regulation, and mindfulness after taking probiotics, but it's unclear why from the data, and people with lower health behavior scores actually appeared to fare worse on probiotics if I'm reading this slightly confusing table correctly. So what is the overall consensus from randomized controlled trials? Because there's a lot of different ones showing different things. Well, there was a 2022 systematic review and meta-analysis of this data, and it found that most probiotics did not affect mood, stress, anxiety, depression, or psychiatric distress. Probiotics did slightly improve the latter two measures in a small subgroup of the studies, but the researchers report that the clinical relevance of these findings is questionable, and 70% of studies in that subgroup were at high or moderate risk of bias. And more than two-thirds of all the trials included in that systematic review were sponsored by or conducted by probiotics manufacturers. Now, for bipolar disorder, the aforementioned 2023 systematic review claims that probiotics improved outcomes, but the review only includes two RCTs, and one of them actually shows the exact opposite. So there's a study from 2020, which was conducted in a small sample of 38 patients in Iran, and it found that both the probiotic group and the placebo group had improvements in mania and depression scores over time, and there were no significant differences between the groups on those scores, meaning that the improvement was simply due to the placebo effect. So if an intervention is no better than a placebo, you can't claim that it's effective. By definition, that's what a randomized controlled trial is designed to show, right? Is it or is it not better than a placebo? And if it's not better than a placebo, then you can't claim any effectiveness for the the treatment itself. 
Now, in contrast, there was a relatively small study from 2018 that found among people who'd been hospitalized for an acute manic episode, those who took probiotics were significantly less likely to be re-hospitalized than those who took the placebo. And of the patients who were re-hospitalized, the probiotic group also had significantly shorter hospital stays. So that's interesting, but there were no significant differences between the placebo and probiotic groups at any of the monthly study visits, which raises the possibility that there could have been some residual confounding factors between the groups, or at least that it's not totally clear what's going on here without further studies because, you know, there was this difference in hospitalization, but there was no actual difference at any of the monthly study visits. There is a lot more I could say about the gut-brain axis. I could go on and probably will go on in a future piece. Um, But I'll leave it there for now, and I hope that's a helpful start in thinking critically about this research. Thanks so much to Julia for the great question, and thanks to all the free subscribers for listening. Paid subscribers can now stick around for the bonus Q&A, and everyone can ask their own questions for a chance to have it answered on an upcoming episode or in an upcoming newsletter. Okay, the next question is from Jesse, who writes, I'm a health at every size nutritional therapist in the UK, and as of last year, I also became a certified intuitive eating counselor. I really love working with clients to heal from dieting and making peace with food. In my own life, I've worked hard to cultivate my now peaceful relationship with food, but there's one lasting issue from my health-obsessed days, supplements. I saw a nutritional therapist years ago when I was suffering from what I now see was a very disordered relationship with food. She recommended supplements to help support my gut health, including digestive enzymes and probiotics. The former I feel the most fearful about giving up, as I was told that because I experience anxiety, I would have depleted digestive enzymes. I've been taking a similar cocktail of pricey supplements every day for years now, and it costs a lot of money and energy. I would love to stop taking them, but I feel I need reassurance from a nutrition professional who's not rooted in wellness culture that my gut will cope on its own. I'd be so grateful if you could tell me your thoughts about supplements, whether you recommend using them, and whether they're worth the money and energy for my gut health. I also want to say a huge thank you for all you do in the anti-diet field, as it was your podcast that played a major role in my recovery and my change in career path from straight nutrition to weight-inclusive healthcare and intuitive eating. I'm currently devouring your book, and it is just awesome. You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber to Rethinking Wellness by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com.